are going to be in C-flat exclusively. Just love it. Oh, so good. Okay, uh, before we get going here, it was somebody's birthday on Friday. Deb McLean, happy birthday. Uh, according to Ryan, it's uh, 39 and holding strong. I don't know what that means, but uh, happy birthday, Deb. We are so thankful you're part of our church family. The rest of you that, uh, that are here, you can open to, we're going to open all over the place, but you can open to Matthew 11. Um, we're only going to be there for a few seconds, then we're going to jump around. But uh, it, we're going to have it on the screen as well, so if you don't flip real fast, you can feel free to follow along there as well. But I just want to remind you or perhaps inform you if you're new or visiting, uh, this series for the summer, we've entitled it kind of Asking for a Friend. So here's the deal, is sometimes we don't really... Maybe we have a question that you want to ask, but you maybe feel like, you know, maybe I should know this, so maybe I'm a little embarrassed, I don't want to ask. Well, you're not asking for yourself. You, you have this friend that nobody's met or seen, and, and that's okay. They have a question, and so you're just asking for them. So, so you just feel free to write down any question you have, and, and we're going to deal with it. So this morning, this morning, the question that we're going to deal with is, uh, again, very relevant for each one of us. This is going to be as practical as it gets. Uh, really, what we're going to talk about today is life's balance, finding a healthy balance. What does that even look like? Uh, as this question came to me, it kind of came with a couple of little other questions too, and so I spoke with this individual and we kind of fleshed it out a little bit more because there's just so many implications that come out of it. So, so here it is, is how do we know what is the correct amount of serving specifically in the church in this case, versus resting. How busy is too busy? Should I be serving more in the church, or should I be more serving in my home or with my friends, at volunteering at work? Uh, what do I do if I get burnt out? How do we, I avoid burnout in the first place? I think, I won't make you do it, but I think if I ask for a raise of hands to everybody who's felt stressed out, burnt out, overwhelmed, or too busy, I think all of our hands would go up at various times. In fact, when you ask somebody, at least this is my experience, when you ask somebody, hey, how are you doing? What's the most common answer you get? Oh, stop, Ryan. Ryan always says great, and Yvette always says good. Okay, I got two bad examples. Everyone else now, what do we say? Busy, right? I'm, I'm busy. Maybe, maybe it's got a caveat. Good but busy, or busy but good, is we just, we live in a culture that is We'll explore this more, but almost to the point where our identity is based on our accomplishments or, or how the perception of how busy that we are is, all the things that we're doing. Uh, last night, no, two nights ago, we have a little hamster, and uh, two nights ago, what do hamsters do at nighttime? They just get on that little wheel and they just run until they either have a heart attack or fall asleep, one or the other. And it occurred to me this, this moment of, the busyness of our lives is not much different sometimes where we're running on that hamster wheel. We think we're doing a lot, but we're not getting anywhere fast. And sometimes we need to learn, how do I slow down? How do I figure out if I need to slow down? What things in my life do need to take a backseat? What priorities have been maybe shifted to where they are that they shouldn't be or vice versa? And, and so that's kind of what we're going to look at this morning. But as I was speaking with this person, this 
this aspect of this question came up, and, and, and I want to just clarify this because it, uh, it saddens me that this is something that people feel, and I know that the person who asked this is not the only one that feels this way. It was said this way, it seems like in Christian culture we portray this idea, the more exhausted and overspent we are, the more spiritual we are. And that if you get burnt out, well, really that's just your fault, you should have been praying more. And let me just clarify that that is not true, that is not right. Just because we're doing a lot of stuff doesn't mean somehow that our spirituality, somehow we're more mature. In fact, I might argue, and we're going to argue a little bit through this, that in doing and in the desire to prove our spiritual maturity, often we show the exact opposite. And we show a lack of understanding of the gospel. So, let's look at Matthew 28. Let's look at these, sorry, Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. And let's look at, what we're going to start here, not because this answers the question in any sense, it doesn't. But what is it, what it will do is it'll give us a framework, a proper reference for us to begin to ask these questions. So Jesus, these are his words in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light probably familiar verses to most of us. And sometimes we need to be reminded of this, but you hear me say this all the time, context is vital, context is important. The immediate context of this verse is Jesus is talking to a group of people who are trying to do enough good to obey the law completely so that their own righteousness earns them a seat at the table in heaven. Well, as we read through the rest of Scripture, actually, you don't even have to read through, as we read through any amount of Scripture, what we find out is that me earning salvation is not possible. It can never be done. And so Jesus is telling these people that have grown up in this religious, we could call it a legalistic society, they've grown up and they've said, I have to do and I have to do and I have to make sure and I can't. And there was so much pressure and stress and tension that Jesus then comes and says, no, 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 come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest for your souls. Well, 2,000 years later, is there a huge difference? Not much. And in fact, what we continue to realize, and I don't know if, if at our men's Bible study we're just slower than maybe the women's Bible studies or, or whatever it might be, but we just continue coming back to this. Man, we struggle with the same things, the same issues, the same problems that we read, and no matter what book of the Bible, no matter what section we find, we still struggle with those same things. And here we are in this culture where maybe we don't have the legalistic mindset of I have to obey the law perfectly to get to heaven. But we do live in this culture where it says as long as you're a good enough person, as long as you do enough good, as long as you, know, you have two columns, bad on one side, good on the other, and as long as good outweighs the bad, then you're okay. Of course, the problem is what? Who gets to determine that? Who's keeping score? I mean, if you're keeping score for yourself, well, have you ever played maybe your grandpa in Crokino? Anybody play Crokino as a kid with grandpa? Somehow grandpa always won, even if you, you know, are certain you did better than he did. Right? You, you, you keep score, you can keep score however you want. Right? Sometimes, oh boy, I'm pretty sure that was a Britney Spears ringtone. I'm just kidding, Dan, I'm sorry. Oh, now I outed him too on, I mean, not Dan, that was somebody else. 
Sorry, sorry. ADD, not good. Where were we? Somebody help me out. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Point being, right, is we look at it and we go, I got to do good as long as I do enough good. And we start to then bring that stress in and go, well, I serve here and I do this and I'm involved in that and I'm doing all these things so that somehow, somehow God will go, wow, Greg, good job. Like, I couldn't have done it without you. Like, really? Is that what we think? Do we really think that? Oh, I hope we don't think that. So Jesus says, come, come to me. And actually, let's put it this way, is no amount of effort, no amount of striving, no amount of me doing enough good will ever earn me a seat at the table in heaven. In fact, Scripture teaches us is we rely on what? The finished work of Jesus Christ. He's already done it. He's already accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished for salvation. There's not some kind of to-do list that I need to accomplish. Rather, I need to come to him and recognize that he has done everything for me. He's accomplished what I could not. And so there at the foot of the cross, I can take a breath. I can rest. And I can say, thank you, Christ. You have accomplished. You have finished. You have done it. Now, That's going to give us a framework of where we are going because that doesn't mean, and I don't want you to think that I'm saying, that doesn't mean that you are off the hook and you no longer have any responsibilities to do anything. Paul says in in the book of Acts, he says that they should prove their repentance by their deeds. James says that faith without deeds is what? Dead. Garbage. It's useless. And so we do have a role to play in this, but not so that I earn salvation. That's already been paid for by the blood of Jesus. So then we get to this question of, well, how much should I be doing? How much should I be involved with? What about all these tasks that are in front of me that, and maybe you can identify here, nobody else is doing it. So somebody has to, and if, they, if I don't, nobody will. So it has to get done. Well, we're going to, We're going to deal with that. But let's flip back into the Old Testament, to the book of Exodus, because we're going to look at a couple of principles along the journey here this morning. Exodus chapter 20 is where we're going to go. And and you may know this section. This is um, where Moses is given the Ten Commandments. And he shares this with the, or he's about to uh, go through and share this with the people. And actually, this same uh, story in Deuteronomy chapter 5 is told again, but with a very slight difference in this, and we're going to talk about these things. So it says this in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall do no Sorry, on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Commentator T. Alexander writes it this way, every aspect of Israel's life is to reflect that the people belong to the Lord and are sustained by his hand. The weekly pattern of work and rest is to be regular and an essential part of this. In Deuteronomy 5, Moses gives another reason for observing that day. It recalls their redemption from slavery in Egypt. Really what's happening here is God's tying it to two things. One is he's saying, here's the pattern that I've created for you to follow. 
ties it back to creation. And then he also reminds them in Deuteronomy, you were slaves in Egypt, but I rescued you. And so your value is not in what you can produce and what you can accomplish. But your value is in who you belong to. And you belong to me. So sometimes we look at this and we go, okay, Old Testament, specifically kind of commandments, this idea, well, these things don't really apply to us in this day. And and to that I say, why would we ever think that? Why would we think the truths that are in Scripture are no longer relevant after Jesus has come? Now, remember, the Ten Commandments, the law, all of those things were pointing to something. And then Jesus came and gave us that fulfillment of those things. But these principles need to exist in there, right? We, we don't go, well, it's okay, I can kill people now because Jesus came. That's one of the Ten Commandments. We can just cross that one off. So Sabbath. How does that apply to us? How do, how do we deal with Sabbath? Well, clarification, I'm not talking about Friday sundown to Saturday sundown doing nothing. That, that's, that's not my point. My point is learning what it means to rest in God, the regular uh, occurrence of our week, the pattern of health that we find of where we accomplish and then where we step back from that. Because accomplishing is good. God has created us creatively to accomplish things. We've been given different skills, different abilities. God wants us to use those things, but God does not want us to find our identity in those things because that's just a part of us. Our identity is found where? That you are a son or a daughter of the king. That's where your identity is found. And so to work is good, to accomplish is good, but only if we understand it in its proper context. And to rest is I remember when I was in Greece in in 2004, we were there for a missions trip, and there were all kinds of people from all over the world. And uh, and Greece is an interesting country. How many have been? What's really, really neat, and I can get on board with this, and I'll explain this in a moment, is uh, right after lunch, what happens in Greece? Nothing. It's siesta time. I really shouldn't use a Spanish word to define the Greek thing. Anyway, the point being, right, is it's, it's hot. It's too hot. Okay, let's take a rest. And it was somewhere around two o'clock on the islands that we were on from like two o'clock till three, maybe 3.30, maybe four, just depending how hot it was. When are the hours for the store that you run, sir? Well, in the morning and in the afternoon. What does that mean? What time do you open? Well, when we get there. The North American mindset was like, this doesn't, this doesn't work. Like, I, I have a plan. I have accomplishments I got to do. I got to paint something and I need the paint. And then I learned this. We went to find paint and you went to the paint store and then we went, oh, where's the paintbrushes? And they went, oh, at the paintbrush store. Where's Walmart, people? Right? And, and what we started to learn is that actually our North Americans, we had problems with that. Nobody else in the rest of the world did. They just understood this. And, and we looked at it and we went, but we need to be efficient and we need to accomplish because we're so driven by tasks. What I started to learn is as that rest happened every day, and even though it was, you know, 37 degrees and so humid you sweat just because, is you laid down and you rested and you relaxed. You took some time to not accomplish, to not do tasks. What I found is actually pretty much every part of our lives became better. Our relationships were better. Our physical health was better. The emotional health. I, I didn't find very many grumpy Greek people. I found pretty calm, pretty relaxed, pretty okay with, oh, we didn't accomplish it today, there's tomorrow. 
But again, we in our North American mindset are so consumed with this idea of accomplishment and moving on to that next thing. How many of you like to-do lists? This is not condoning. This is just a personality thing. Okay, so we write down our to-do list in the morning. Uh, the problem is what happens? There's the end of the day. <laughs> the end of the day happens, and then we go, man, I didn't finish. And then what happens to tomorrow's to-do list? Oh, it's actually longer than yesterday's and longer than the day before, and we never accomplish it all. And yet, yet we desire that. Well, I think God has called us for a rhythm. I think God has called us for purpose. I think he reminds us that Sabbath is good because you are, your value is not based on what you accomplish, but in who you are. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4 to kind of prove that not only is this in the Old Testament, but also that the writer to the Hebrews argues that this is actually very important for the New Covenant people as well. We're going to read verses 1 to 13. It says this, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them. Clarification, he's talking about the people that wandered the desert for those 40 years. But the message that they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in, the past, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience, again, he appoints a certain day today saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. The writer pleads with those current people, saying, don't fall into the same problems that those people did back in the Old Testament where they didn't enter into God's rest because of their fear, and so they disobeyed. And, but he says, like, Joshua didn't accomplish it. But when you read through Joshua, Joshua accomplished a lot, and a lot of amazing things. And yet the writer realizes it wasn't about the promised land, at least not fully, but the Sabbath rest, the understanding of all of that, points ultimately to heaven, where we will enter that rest completely and fully. Well, today... How do we process that? How do we look at Sabbath rest? How do we look at a pattern of accomplishment versus a pattern of slowing down? Look at the life of Jesus. When you read through the Gospels, you find this phrase over and over and over, and Jesus went off to a quiet place to pray. The Messiah, who had a greater task than any of us ever will yet didn't just go accomplishing, 
but went to be with the Father. Went to go spend time in quiet and in prayer. I think this is something that we need to do. And again, our prayer lives are so often focused more in a sense of accomplishment. God, would you do this for me today? Would this be accomplished so I can move on to that next thing? This problem that's in front of me? And we start to make it uh, not about intimacy with our Lord, but asking for things to be accomplished. Now, I want to make a couple of clarifications here. Like I said, the to-do list, not a, not a bad thing. God's created us different personalities, right? Some of us do to-do lists. Some of us to-do to-don't lists, right? Like that's, that's okay. We're all created different. That's fine. But when we get so hung up on the to-do list, that's where the problem can happen. I have to. I need to, right? Sometimes we need to remind ourselves, you know what? If the house is messy today, I guess it's messy today. Somebody's coming over. It's got to be clean. But maybe sometimes it's actually valuable. And again, I'm not talking about to just be a slob. Don't hear me say that. Right? But someone's coming to your house and you go, you know what? Instead of just making everything look perfect, maybe I need to acknowledge that life is hectic. And it's not perfect. And sometimes other things were more important than this thing. And I didn't accomplish that thing. Maybe sometimes we don't even need to apologize that, but just allow people into the mess of our lives. You've heard me say it all the time. Life is messy for all of us. Let's look at another passage of Scripture in uh, Luke chapter 10. And again, I I think, this is just my opinion here, so I'm going to clarify this over and over. I think, I think, my opinion, my opinion only. Okay, I think you get the point. Uh, I think this is one of the most misused parts of Scripture to try and say something that it doesn't actually say and the, and the truth of the text is just very clear, very plain. But we like to try and make caveats around it. Here you have the story of Mary and Martha, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went to him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What does the story tell us? Martha was distracted and not doing what was right in that moment, right? It's not trying to say service is bad. Serving is good, and we should serve. But serving is not the ultimate, but being in the presence with Jesus is. And literally in this moment, Jesus is there to teach. He's there to show them what it means to live a life that honors God. And Martha is, what does the text say? Distracted by many things. Her eyes were taken off of what was most important in that moment. Jesus rebukes her and and doesn't say, you know, Mary should be helping you, but no, he says, in this moment, Mary has chosen what is good, and it won't be taken from her. You know, this, this speaks very loudly to me in this. Just about every Sunday morning, there's a problem that happens, right? Like, that's just life. Something didn't work on the soundboard. Something didn't work on the computer. The camera is fuzzy because 
something happened to it, blah, 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 blah. And I fill all these things in. And I go home from the service with, that didn't go right, that didn't go right. And I forget that we met with the presence of Jesus and we opened his word and we studied and we grew. Sometimes it doesn't work the way I want it to. And sometimes I need to say, okay, God, you're sovereign, you're in control. Would it have been better if I could have done X, Y, or Z? My brilliant plan, the, the one section in my paper that, that, that I really thought I needed to say that for some reason I skipped over and I went, oh, I missed that. that was a, I just have to step back and go, God, you will do what you will do. Sometimes I get too focused on the job of preaching and forget that we're just entering into the Word of God together to see what Jesus is going to teach us this morning. Some of us, like Martha, might be doers. Man, I got to do. I got to serve. And sometimes God's saying, no, you don't. You got to slow down and listen. You got to open Scripture and read it. You got to see what it says. I've said this lots, but Martin Luther said, I have so much to accomplish today. I'm going to wake up early so that I can spend more time in prayer. Not wake up early so I can put my to-do list more full, so that I can spend more time with God. Again, my interpretation, I think he's saying this is, God, would you actually show me what's important for me to do today versus what things are not? And I think this is where this idea of service and rest, this is where it all comes down to, God, what have you called me to do today? What, if, what purpose do you have in front of me? How can I serve, but not for me, how can I serve for you? As Ernie mentioned, we are a body of Christ, and we've been harping on this all through 1 Corinthians, is you are necessary for the body. Because we all have different gifts, we all have different abilities, and God has called us all to different things. And when we do the thing that God has called us to do, the church runs wonderfully. But when somebody steps back and goes, I'm not going to do what God's called me to do. Too often, instead of going, okay, I guess it won't get done, we all go, man, we better shore it up. And so all of a sudden, other people are doing way more than they should. And the, good, the intentions are good. I'm not trying to say they're not. But it starts to then come with a man, I'm getting exhausted because I'm just involved in too many things. And we know that. How many times do we say, man, I'm just, I'm just exhausted and I need to take something off my plate, but I don't know what to take off my plate. My argument is I think we would if we spend more time with the Father. If we really listen. God, what do you want me to do today? And what things do I not need to accomplish? Now, we all have different realities in our life, different responsibilities, different things that exist. We talked about this in, when we were studying through 1 Corinthians. Paul talks about the advantages of being single, right? And he actually asks them, you know, consider being single because if you're not single, you can be more focused on the ministry of the church and you can serve more in the body. But those of you who get married or who take a wife or who have a family, you have other responsibilities. Now, he, does, he says that's good too, but he says they're different. And so that's a reality that we all have to look at is what things have, has God put in front of me that are my responsibility that he has asked me to be a good steward of. And so it looks different for everyone, which makes it difficult because it's not a, just a cookie cutter thing is do this and you're okay. No, it's step back and ask God and then listen to what God is telling you, what he's showing you. 
Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 37. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And I think, again, sometimes we take passages like that and we, try, we, we make it say something it's not. Uh, you've heard me argue this more and more and more. You will be a better husband, a better wife, a better parent if you love Jesus more than your kids or your wife or your husband. Because God will frame that reference in and show you what it means to love them the way that Christ loves you. We have this pendulum that, that swings in our culture of accomplishing so much. And, and right now I'm kind of speaking specifically of the church and, and maybe even specifically of pastors or, or those who are involved in, in part-time ministry. Is we swing so far, this is the calling that God has given me. This is what my purpose is. This is what I need to accomplish. And we do that at the expense of all of our relationships and the people that God has put in our lives. And that's not good. I have heard many times from people who said, you know, their husband was the pastor and they knew that they were loved, but they felt like he loved the church more than he loved her. Or the children say, I, I know my father loved me, but I never saw him. He was always there, not here. And that's not good. But I read an article just recently about the swing that's happening in culture where actually now family has become within the churches a bit of an idol. Where it's like, I'm not going to do what God has called me to do because I need to make sure here first. And my argument is, no, you got to love Jesus first. And if you're spending time with the Father, if you are being intimate with him in your prayer, in your own spiritual life, in your devotion to reading scripture, all of those things start to take shape in a proper road because we learn, here's where God is taking us. Here's what he wants me to do. Here's how he wants me to love my children. Here's how he wants me to love my spouse. Here's where he wants me to serve within the church. The problem often ends up being that we really listen to the world around us and we listen to the people around us more than we listen to God. And this needs to get accomplished. Oh, well, who's going to do it? Well, somebody has to. Well, I guess I will. Instead of going, let's sit down together and let's ask, God, does this need to be done? Is this task in front of us? And, and, is there a way that we can ask somebody? Is there a way we can pray for you to provide somebody for this? And again, I'm not talking about passing the buck and going, I have my job, I'll never do anything else. Life is messy. Sometimes we have seasons where we do have to do and step into other places. But again, if we're being led by the Spirit, if we're listening to what God is calling us, I don't think we're going to enter into that burnout stage. Because I think God will equip he will equip us and show us. He will make it so that we find rest when we need to in those things, but only if we are in the, an intimate relationship and understanding with what God is doing in our life. So there's a popular term that, well, the term is probably new. The concept isn't. I would say the concept is Sabbath, but the new term is self-care. You got to care for yourself and make sure that you're healthy and that you're ready so that you can serve others. And, and certainly there's some truth within that. You know, we do need to make sure that we are healthy, but we need to make sure that we are spiritually healthy first. And when we're spiritually healthy, then God can direct us and God can show us and God can lead us. And so we need to, and, and this is a very difficult thing, all of us 
need to care far more about what God thinks of us than what other people think of us. That can be very difficult. We need to recognize that what God calls us to do, that I'm going to do, but I'm not going to take responsibility for other things that God hasn't called me to do. I'm not going to take ownership of that. I'm not going to take that weight and that pressure because I can't accomplish that because God hasn't called me to it. And if I think I can, I'm starting to rely on my own strength and I'm going to be pushing him out. And then I do enter that phase of burnout. I'm reading a book. I uh, just read a book, I should say, uh, for my seminary class called The Rest of God. And it doesn't mean like the parts that you don't know about God. That's kind of what it sounds like, like the, the rest of God. It's entering into the rest of God. And the pastor there, Mark Buchanan, who writes this book, he says in his own ministry, he entered this stage of burnout and completely uh, emotional unhealth and family unhealth and all these things. His exact words, he said, I learned to understand Sabbath the hard way because I had to. Right? Here's a pastor who's accomplishing all these things that he was saying, these are for God. But he was actually saying, I need to. My value is dependent on the sermon that I preach, the team that I put together, whatever it is. And in the book, he explores what this idea of finding balance and health and learning to say no and learning to not let others' expectations of you trump God's expectations of you. And I would just encourage any of you who are struggling with, man, I'm too busy. I don't know how to say no. I'm overwhelmed. I'd really encourage you. Pick it up. Mark Buchanan, The Rest of God. And in it, we will learn really practical things about learning how to rest. And again, I think our culture sometimes sees rest as laziness. But as many of you probably know, the day that you go to bed overwhelmed and you try to get a good night's sleep and you get three or four hours, how effective are you the next day? Not very. Unless it's by the grace and mercy of God. As in what we find is that the less we rest, the more irritable we get. And when we get really irritable, who pays the biggest price for that? Actually, those that we love the most. Right? Because we, man, I didn't snap at anybody at work today. But then you got home. Probably snapped at my wife or my child. Or my roommate. Whoever it might be. We need to rest. We need to learn how to rest. We need to learn how to rest well. And I think, again, this, this, is, not, this is not a cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all thing. Some people find rest in surrounding themselves with two or other people. Right? That's personality stuff. Some people find rest in I need to be away and I need to unplug. And, and both have their, uh, have their concerns, right? Those who are constantly surrounding yourself with people thinking that you're finding rest and that sometimes maybe we're accomplishing too much and we're not slowing down enough. Sometimes those who find, man, I need to retreat. I need my own place. I need my own space. Is if we do that and we find, man, I'm really comfortable here. And then we start to not want to leave that space. It's having a conversation with a friend of mine. And he said, you know, COVID's actually been really, really good for me in the sense of, like, I don't really like people. And he meant that nicely, right? But just personality-wise, it's like, I like alone. I like being by myself. I like reading. I like, you know, whatever it is. He said, it's actually been really hard now that church is open because I know I should go, but 16 months of pattern have told me that I can just stay here. Right? There's, there's a danger to either extreme. 
And so we need to, we need to go. God, what would you have me do? How, how do you find rest? And, and that may be completely different. That might be reading a book. That might be going for a bike ride. That might be having a nap for six hours. Maybe that's too long, right? But taking that step back. And maybe it needs to look at, we need to look at the schedule and go, that thing that I want, to, that thing does not need to happen today. Because this is more important. The only way we find any of that out, when we read through Scripture, we find out that our spiritual life is what is most important. And so when we come face to face with God, we need to make time to read Scripture and to pray so that He orients us the rest of the day so that we see what He has called me to do. And so I want you to ask this question as you kind of leave, as, as Ernie mentioned here, as we consider how we can serve the church and how we can get involved, you know, post-COVID and get back together and all these things, is I want you to spend time with God and I want you to ask God, what would you have me be involved in? Where would you have me serve? And then listen. And then see where God directs you. We will inevitably all of us come into a place of burnout when we, when we rely on our own strength to accomplish the things that we think we need to do. Rather, we need to say, Holy Spirit, where would you have me? Show me, direct me, equip me, and fill me. And he will do that. I don't know where God's asking you to be involved with. I don't know what God's asking you to say no to. But I know that if you ask those questions to God, he'll reveal those things to you. So let's be intentional about that. Let's not become people who are defined by our busyness, by our accomplishments, by how much we can do, but let's be defined by, am I obedient to what God has called me to do? Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you, ultimately, as we look back to the first passage of Scripture that we looked at this morning, would we come to Jesus and find rest for our souls? Would we recognize that we cannot accomplish enough, we cannot earn, we cannot merit our way into heaven? But God, we thank you that the blood of Jesus has paid for all sin, has accomplished all of those things. And so now we can come face to face with you we can find rest, we can find purpose, we can find meaning, we can find wholeness. And so God, for each one here this morning who perhaps is feeling overwhelmed or too busy or not sure what things they can let go on their plate because there's too much there, God, I pray that we would seek to be intimate with you so that we would hear your voice and, and we would learn where you are calling us and what areas you're asking us to let go of. God, would we listen far more to what you say to us than what the world says to us? Would we learn what Sabbath means? Would we learn about finding healthy patterns in our lives? Thank you that you have created us unique and given us gifts so that we can accomplish and we can have purpose. But thank you that we also aren't defined by those things. So God, would you continually remind us of who we are, a son and a daughter of the King. And you love us, not because of what we do, but because of who we are. So God, help us find rest in that. 
Help us find rest for our souls. We love you. Go with us this week. Amen. Thank you all for joining us again, and those of you online, of course, as well. Wreck it. We're good. Those of you who are still here, Yvette's already prepping. Like, I don't even know how she got there so fast. But she's prepping. There's food. There's coffee. Stay, visit. Uh, at some point, the lights will get turned off. All that means is that the door's locked, and eventually when you leave, that's okay. And, uh, and we just want you to spend time uh, with God's people. We're glad that you were here. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.